Welcome back to the Shift Drink Podcast. Returning to the show for the second time is the Reverend St. Dr. Brother Cleveland Donut Duncan III Esquire Jr., a.k.a. Brother Cleve. Coming in from Boston, uh, but I'm on my way to uh, New York for uh, an extended sojourn, I guess one would say. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I wanted to bring you back on the show. I mean, other than just, you know, we always are chatting back and forth here and there, but the pandemic's been a lot for everyone but it's been even more so in the last year for you because you are preparing to open a bar in New York. And so you are what a week, less than a week, you're a couple of days away from the grand opening of, uh, of lullaby, right? Yeah. The grand opening is actually on Thursday night and uh, we're doing a friends and family on Tuesday and a um, sort of media industry thing on, uh, on Wednesday. Then we'll, we'll open. They did a couple of private parties over the weekend. I wasn't, down for that but uh i guess it went well except for the sound system blowing up but right. yeah <laughs> yeah that's but you know that's what those you know private invitation deals are for is to let everything break so you can like hopefully fix it there's, there's always something yeah it never fails i know you've owned, opened enough places and i've opened enough places that uh there's always something so uh, <laughs> i'm glad it blew up on friday and not right in the middle of my set on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm going to actually get to play until Thursday for the grand opening, but because uh, of the equipment failure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, get, they're, bringing the, they're setting up all the new, uh, new gear this week. They had to order. Mm. But, uh, so what's the details? I mean, where are you located? And I mean, what's, what kind of, I, you know, after we chatted today and you were talking about the $6,000 uh, equipment that needed to be replaced and I'm in the midst of, having a plumbing problem in the middle of a weekend, I'm just thinking, what in the hell is Cleve thinking? Opening a bar, you know, right now, it's just like, it's just so much work. Uh, and, you know, so, I mean, you know, get, what's the rundown? How did you get involved in the project? Okay, so it's called Lullaby. And it is at uh, 151 Rivington Street in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, it used to be, before it was Lullaby, it was Nightcap which was uh, run by the uh, Death & Co. folks. Unfortunately, it did not live through the pandemic. Uh, before that, it was called 151, just after the address, but I, I tend to think that maybe 151 might have been the favorite drink in this place. I, I never went there, but uh, I've been told that it was uh, uh, a really great dive bar. It was like a, that was what would be uh, you know a drink of choice there, just anything to really get you fucked up fast. So. <laughs> right. That's, that's what it was for. Uh, my friends that had gone there when it, when it was that, and it was pretty low down. So, uh, so that, that's where it's at. And um, it's an interesting story on, on it. So I, for the last three years and up until COVID killed us in right before Christmas, I was running a French crepery called the Paris crepery. Uh, in Boston, in the, the Seaport District in Boston. Uh, they have one other store that has been there for 21 years. They never got a liquor license, though, uh, when they opened this one in the Seaport, which is the sort of uh, very trendy douchebag neighborhood. I mean, yeah, very trendy. <laughs> very trendy, yeah. <laughs> neighborhood down there. Um, and, we, you know, we did we did all right, consider well, we opened before the, you know, a year before the pandemic, Um and we didn't have outdoor seating at the time, but we got outdoor seating all set up for the next spring. But you know what happened in, in February? That was February 2020. We opened in 2019. And um, it 
well, obviously we were closed for three months, but when we opened, we, we had the patio all set. So uh, we were the first ones with a patio down there. So it was like after three months of not being out, people came in and were drinking like there was no tomorrow. There's customers with three middle-aged women. They ordered three bottles of wine. <laughs> and after they each one drank, you know, essentially drank an entire bottle of wine, they ordered another. And I said, are you ladies driving? Because <laughs> they were fucking hammered. And uh, he's like, oh, no, we live in the building right over here because there's a lot of development in this area. So, all right. So, you know, I think they had two more bottles after that. But uh, it was crazy. And uh, most of my help did not come back to work uh, because I was afraid of the COVID. And uh, I really wasn't. I've lived through, what, eight pandemics beforehand. So I was like, oh, another one. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I lived with the Hong Kong flu in 1969. That was a doozy. So, uh, and the Asian flu in 1958. So, uh, and of course, the Legionnaires' disease and Mars and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I don't let these things ruin my life. That's just my attitude. Sorry, folks. And it didn't ruin my life uh, because people came back. But we, we did really well, except when it rained in the summer. But uh, that year, we did have no help. I was working like 18 hours a day. And uh, we eventually started getting some people back, or new people. And we got this kid. His name was Harrison Snow uh, from Providence, Rhode Island. Had been working in bars since he was 18. And uh, by the age of 20, he was actually uh, managing a couple of bars up in Boston where he had worked. And uh, he, uh, one of the bars that he was supposed to be r running and opening, uh, it didn't open because of, you know, everything going on there with uh, COVID, et cetera. Uh, so he was out looking for a job. I wasn't, I was out at, uh, I think I was at Tiki Oasis when he uh, came in and uh, we, um, he got hired by my director of operations and he, my, you know, they t he texted me and said, oh, I got this great kid. He's been running some bars and he's really smart and he, you know, he knows who you are and he's really psyched to work with you and uh, everything. So I came back and I met him and he was amazing. Just amazing, 21 years old, and uh, just knowledge of classic cocktails, spot on. Uh, knowledge of tiki, spot on. Uh, contemporary, you know, modern techniques, spot on. And we started working together and making some drinks together, and, uh, uh, and it was really good. You know, it was like, hey, you know, this is really good. We do this well together. I really hadn't had a, a partner in anything and making cocktails for 20 five years or whatever, but, uh, it really worked well. It was kind of like, I, I was joking with them that we're like the Lennon and McCartney of, uh, you know, we're like a songwriting team, maybe more like the, the Jagger Richards actually, <laughs> a little more punkish, but, uh, uh, we, we knew how to complement each other's ideas really well and add things or start, you know, if I started something that he might finish it and vice versa. So it was pretty cool. And then, you know, he was, we, he was there for a few months or four months. And then you know, he said, I think I'm going to move to New York and try to uh, make, see if I can, if I can make it there, I can make it anywhere. As the old song. So he went down, he got a, uh, he was working at uh, Lama, Lama San in Williamsburg. And he got a job at, I forget the name of the place now, but it was a, a three star Michelin in mid midtown Manhattan, uh, but it was um, kosher. It was a kosher restaurant. Oh wow! Uh, in midtown Manhattan, and uh, he thought it was a great job because it was it was 
you know, good, good bartending job. So, but uh, he always said Saturday night off. It was closed for the Sabbath. Right. Yeah. So he, um, he was working there. And then, you know, when the winter came and uh, they wouldn't allow indoor seating in New York anymore, at, uh, that was the end of both of those jobs. So he was doing some cocktail catering around Brooklyn. He has a motorcycle and he was like creating cocktails and getting word out uh, online and cocktails to go. He was going out and delivering them. But then he, with this, this friend of his, Jake Hodas, uh, they would got to talk and said, yeah, we, why don't we, uh, maybe we should just open our own bar. Because real estate in New York, real estate prices in New York plummeted because nobody, you know, everybody's just leaving there. Right. The abandonment. Mm-hmm. So they they called me and, and said you know we're gonna we want to try to do this and uh, we'd like you to be our partner because Harrison said you know you you've been my other mentor you know and uh, I think we, now, how old was Harrison at this time he's 23 now 23 wow I'm 67 <laughs> yeah so that's what that's exactly why I was asking because I was thinking you know typically at your age you know especially in like the kind of I mean, you're in that uh, echelon of like the older craft bar guys that kind of taught everybody else and kept kept it alive in the 80s and 90s and then kind of educated the rest of us. But um, you don't see, I guess, it's not a refusal to take anybody under your wing, but like going all in. Like, I mean, you're 67, like opening a new bar with a 23-year-old that, you know, you've essentially kind of molded and, and you know, taught on the ropes and of how it was done and how it can be done. Then it actually doing it as equals you know and uh i think that's really it's a fascinating story i hope it I hope it has a great uh continuing chapter you know after you get this place open but yeah yeah it was uh that's it's really cool i didn't realize that you had such a young partner on this yeah and then and the other partner jake is also he's either 23 or maybe he's 24 uh but you know they're both young guys uh jake is more the business end of of stuff he's um he worked for a while at Vaughn's, the dive bar in um, Lower Manhattan, where um, Sasha Petrosky actually started bartending uh, back in the mid '90s, I guess. Um, but they, uh, you know, he's not really a—he's not like a cocktail guy or, or whatever. So uh, uh, we started working on ideas last um, May, I guess it was when they. This was when they asked me about it, and uh, I said, you know, I said I live up here. I live. 200 miles away so you know but i can kind of get i can get down when i can get down uh and but the main thing is like well we thought you know besides being a bartender when i'm there the idea would be more like i would be their sort of brand ambassador because i've been doing this a long time and i know most everybody i know all that i know that old school i know all all those guys you know uh I keep getting uh, messages from Dale DeGroff. When are you going to open? When are you going to open? I got to come over, Click. When are you going to come? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So, um, so it's. Uh, yeah, and most it's, people don't get those kinds of text messages when you're getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DeGroff again. Oh my God. Texting. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, he, you know, he and I did a, a show together um, two years ago, I guess it was, uh, right before, uh, I guess it was 2018, where um, he does this whole song and dance routine about uh, the, like the history of the New York bar and grill and the history of the martini and co- and cocktails, uh, classic New York 
early and mid mid 20th century. And uh, he sings a lot of songs and I've seen him do it before. He had, you had a guitar player a couple of times and he's for like t- probably 10 or 12 years now he's been saying, you know, you play piano, we should do this together. Can you play like Fats Waller stuff and things like that? I said, yeah, I can, I can fake that pretty well. You know, uh, yeah, we could do that. So we did. Uh, and it was sponsored by Hendrix and we had a, a really great time. So we finally got to do it and, uh, you know, got to, we've known each other a long time, but now it was like, Oh, now we perform together. So it's like a bigger. It's super cool. Do you know if that um, has made its way over to YouTube at all? I mean, surely if it was 2018, somebody has got video of it. Uh, you know, we didn't have anybody official uh, record it as far as I know. I know I, I saw cameras out there, but I've actually never seen any evidence of it. You know, I saw people standing there, but it, it went for an hour or so. So uh, uh, there's probably some, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll look DeGroff, into it. <laughs> Del DeGroff, Hendrix Gin, the Hawthorne, Boston Mass, because that's where we did it at Jackson Cannons. Oh, super cool. You even got to do it at home, on home turf. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, they, you know, and then we they started talking to brokers and uh, telling me what was going on all the time. And then they, they said, hey, did you ever go to Nightcap? I said, yeah, yeah. I said, actually, the band I was in in the in the – 2000s we were recording a lot in new york and we would stay at the hotel rivington right right down the street there uh, obviously uh, so it was before it was there but then after it was there and uh nightcap i mean and uh, so yeah i had been in there and i said yeah why is that is that space available and he said yeah i asked him how much it was and i said that's a good deal <laughs> <laughs> Man, real estate uh, yeah. prices plummeted in New York City, haven't they? So, um, and they they looked at a couple of other spots too, but we kept going back to that. I kept on pushing on that. I said, you know, man, Lower East Side, you're you're right there. It's I said, but one thing if there's one thing I've learned in this long life of my life behind bars and my life in nightclubs and stuff too is that you know, location, location, location is half of the night. You can be a little hidden away speakeasy with no sign and people will come because it's a destination kind of thing. But if you just want to try to get people walking in and off the street and stuff, uh, you know, it's best to be where there's street traffic, especially in a city like New York, because, you know, it is kind of regional too. And there's, but there's, a, you know, sometimes people that live in the Lower East Side, it's, it's like, oh, I don't want to go to a bar in Harlem or, you know, Upper West Side or something like that, or even Midtown. I mean, I go to New York and I, rarely find myself above 14th street right uh, yeah i mean same way there's a lot of that city i've never even trekked to but you know it's also on top of all that it's kind of become you know cocktail mecca over the last you know 15 to 20 years uh, which like every major bar in in the cities is kind of like started there or as you know a couple degrees of separation from bars that were started there yeah, yeah, because I mean, well, I mean, we're not that far from where uh, PDT and Death and Co started. And they were, you know, just basically two streets over from each other. Uh, Amoria Margo was right on that the same street there as Death and Co. Uh, and lots and lots of stuff on that side. You know, then you you go to the the west side, kind of just straight across, and then you have um, employees only and uh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, right, kind of kitten and stuff is all is over on that side but it's kind of like a straight line across and not far so it is all that 
And then, you know, you go a little further south and you, you've got uh, Wall Street area with uh, um, the uh, Dead Rabbit, and, you know, other, other spots down around there. So that's a, there's a good, good amount of stuff down there. And there's still, still a few dive bars left too for. Sure. Yeah. Those will never go away. It's over. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's really exciting to be, be down there. How long has this uh, build out been taking place? Uh, so we, I think we got the lease around uh, September. So there was a couple of months of, you know, you know, back and um, forth and back and forth. Getting yeah. everything mm-hmm. settled and the, the lawyers and the brokers and all that stuff. And the lease got signed. And then, um, I started doing some build out on it. Harrison's father, who I have never met, but I've seen pictures of him. I think he's younger than me. Uh, but, you know, his, what he's done for his life is he builds boats. He lives in Rhode Island, the ocean state. <laughs> and, uh, so he's, let's just say he's handy with some tools and, and wood. So he came in and, and did, did the renovations. And Harrison did it uh, with him. But, uh, I mean, they just did this build out. It's not super, super different than when it was uh, nightcap. It's a small space. I mean, we our legal capacity is, I think, 72, something like that. So uh, uh, it gets a little tight. But they... they just, it around the bar it's uh changed the lighting and, and did some shelving and stuff it really really looks nice uh and then um i started working on cocktails at home here we so the basically harrison came up with the idea he said let's not just let's not do like names on everything let's call everything like the vodka drink the whiskey drink the mezcal drink whatever we'll just do a menu like that. And I thought, oh, that's sure. Because people will just come in and go, you know, a lot of people will just come in and look at a menu and go, where's the one with the vodka? You know? Is he Tito on the <laughs> you know? So it was just like, all right, well, let's take the guessing game out of it. You want to drink vodka? Is the vodka drink. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it does definitely direct you to where you need to be because, yeah. It, additionally, you know, cocktail menus and cocktail names have gotten just more and more creative to the point where you know you're seeing like whole poems for the drink name and no one you know recites the whole like name anyway so there's be like oh yeah i'll take this one with the vodka <laughs> you know right. so, yeah exactly yeah, cut to the so chase we just cut to the chase on that so we were you know we were working on on those and then uh i went down in november and we just did like a whole week of r d and uh, and then it, it turned out that uh Robert Simonson. So we hired a we we hired uh, Rachel Harrison uh, as a publicist, uh, and she's great. She's um, been she's been she's been doing she works with bars and with the uh, craft spirit companies as well. She's like Long Cats is one of her uh, clients uh, with the New York Distilling Company. Um, so a lot of cool stuff going on with her, and uh, so. We, we hired her as publicist and then she, I got a text from Robert Simonson saying, is it true that you're opening a bar in, the, in New York City? I said, I said, yeah, I am. He goes, all right, uh, I want the exclusive story on this. 
I think he's earned that. You know, you've he's definitely written a bit about you in the past. So yeah, he he has he has. I've known Robert a long time, so I don't want to stress that for people saying it's nepotism or stuff. But uh, you know, uh, but he uh, Rachel said got everything set up, so he came in and, and interviewed us, and we we had you know we'd worked out a bunch of the drinks, so we served him. You know, I think three or four that we had. Like yeah, these are gonna work. Uh, we have a house punch. I think we gave him that. And I, I have a, uh, uh, I did one of mine, the rum drink, and uh, we we have one called the lullaby. That's the that's the one that we have one called the lullaby. So uh, you got to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. That one stays on the menu forever. <laughs> and uh, the only food we're gonna have actually is uh, there's a they found a uh, Spanish uh, jamon importer. Uh, nearby uh about new york city you know everything's nearby i think i've eaten today and i'm like oh hamon yeah so we're getting you know ever been to uh you've been to spain i haven't been to spain no actually i got an invitation to go uh in a month and a half with one of our local uh tiki folks he's a he's a film producer and him and his wife his wife is a spanish professor and they invited us to go over on a tour but yeah, I just got back from Hawaii again, so I don't. I don't think I can rationalize a, a trip to Spain. So yeah, I have not been. It's still there, but there, there's a uh, there's a, a restaurant bar in uh, Madrid called the uh, Musée uh, de Hamon, the Museum. Oh, I like that. And it's just, and when he, as soon as he told me, I just envisioned that that place. There's just all these hams, hundreds of them hanging from the ceilings, and sometimes dripping on you. But you know. There's no loss. That's, that's just a bonus, right? You know, you walk out smelling like bacon fat. <laughs> so that we're, you know, we're doing that, and we got so we've got that on the main, and we have um, uh, vermouth on tap as well. The Spanish, uh, um, uh, which one is it? It's it's one of. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, House Alpons, but it's it's. Uh, I've, my brain is not with me right now, uh, but it's one of the house Alpens, uh, Spanish. Well, everything they've got in their book is incredible. You know, it's like just, yeah, with that, those are the kind of like dreams that, you know, we all have in the bar industry, right? It's like opening a vermouth bar always seems to be like, like the, the untouchable dream. Like everybody wants to do it. You know, it's just, uh, you we're just going to end up, serving it all to each other <laughs> unfortunately you know it's still not a, a rare occasion to walk into a bar and see a bottle of renewth on the back bar so yeah well in this case it's it's on tap that's amazing man i love that yeah and uh you know and we'll so we'll have the charcuterie available if you want to you know have your the hour we'll say and uh get some of the uh the hum on and we'll you know have some other tapas olives and that type of thing to go with it put olives in the and the orange peel on the drink too so that that's going to be a lot of fun so uh but he robert really liked everything quite a bit and uh, wrote a very nice article which uh then came out in january because we were supposed to open in january but it was, it's the second week in march and we're finally opening so uh, there's um licensing is is always slow everywhere in the united states but um i guess what's been going on is this so you know be, because of um things sort of winding down what we'll, we'll, we'll say uh, that uh, there's a whole lot of new bars that are opening so uh 
these inspectors are, you know, a little overworked. So, but we finally got it. And uh, so that's kind of it, you know, and then I, I was back in December and uh, we did some more work and we really, we finished off the whole menu and in um, beginning of December. And I, uh, I threw my back out and got sciatica, moving cases of liquor around, of course. In my yeah, right. That's the way it usually goes. Yeah. So I, I've been kind of laid up for three months. The first time I did that and had to get like steroid injections was uh when I like 2010 when I was opening Black Market where you've been or before we closed it uh but yeah I was moving a safe and nobody was there to help and I was like ah I'm young I can handle this that's the last time I did anything so stupid <laughs> you know? yeah I you know I had done it about six years ago and and I you know I hadn't done it since but this time I, I was consulting on this new project over here a bar in um, Somerville, Massachusetts, and uh, they finally built the stock room. I, we were open for like a couple of weeks, but they didn't have the stock room built. And, you know, I've been just going in with cases everywhere and pulling stock out and, and a bottle here and a bottle there. But it was uh, it was a Friday night. It was an all-ages show. It was a live music venue, an all-ages show. Hardly anybody was drinking. I was like standing there. I said, well, I got to do something. I might as well just go do this. Instead of, as my wife said to me, the word is delegate. Yes, right. Anybody yeah. that works for you is 30 or under. Delegate. And I was like, well, you know, I've done this before. I, uh, I, I know the feeling. Lead by example, right? Next thing I know, ah! So. Yeah. Yeah, I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, then right. I went to New York. Uh, the second time we went to New York, and I, I was really having a lot of trouble walking. And so Lullaby is like five steps down. Uh and uh, one of that, you know, it's like a basement bar. And I had, it was the shoot, photo shoot. And I had a suitcase with <laughs> all my clothes. And I, I got on the first step and put it down. And I went, went to take my other foot and my knee went out. And I went oh. down the steps, landed in a pool of New York's finest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I had the clean clothes in the suitcase. But, uh, oh, my God. Like, Your partner's there? <laughs> they were like, they heard oh, me geez, scream. What have we uh, gotten into? <laughs> you know? they, they heard me scream and came and opened the door like where are you and then i'm like i'm down here <laughs> yeah the next time that we went to a uh, a wine tasting uh harrison and i went to a wine tasting and uh, he said it was it's on a boat in brooklyn the harbor i so, saw and i'm thinking I, I used to work a lot on booze cruises here in boston boston harbor and it's like a, a boat that holds like a, 200 people and there's a big table and you know got all the no it was a 130 foot long sailboat that had come from France, uh, full of uh, uh, organic uh, wines from France that were. It's this company is like they just. That's how they bring them. That's how they go. You know, oh, cargo ships. Yeah, it's a, a sailboat full of wine and chocolate, and uh, and it's crazy it's romantic right you know that's the unfortunately romantic it's like we're gonna sail across the atlantic with our perfect wine yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah what is it uh going to sal i forget what that but uh they have movies on their website for uh on on their instagram page of the, the boat crossing but i get on this boat and i look i said well, where are we going where's the there's, there's no place in here it's tiny so in the galley, and the galley was like four or five steps down on this ladder on the side of the wall where you can see where this is going. And I went right down on the floor, right up 
bad leg. And uh, it was like three steps forward, 15 steps back. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I got back to Boston. I went to my physical therapist and they're like, what the hell did you do? I said, uh, I told them they're like, <sighs> they're like, you're back again, huh? Yeah. So <laughs> I made, made it even longer, but uh, well, you know, you've, you've been on the show a bunch as uh, well, not a bunch. Uh, you've been on the show before and um, you've been interviewed a bunch and you're definitely the uh, known best known as a, uh, you know, mid-century Tiki guy. You do Tiki by the sea every year. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, and if anybody's looking at, if anybody could see them, the, the video I'm seeing, you know, it's just like, there's Tiki everywhere. You've got the mugs, the vinyl, you played in combustible Anderson, Del Fuegos, you've done surf exotica, like just stretching back. It's in your DNA. So as you're, getting ready to open lullaby is that coming through on the the cocktail menu uh, you know i haven't seen the space I and mean, i saw a photo on your instagram and it definitely doesn't look like a mid-century bar so is there um you know how is that influencing the menu and harrison because i can only assume that as you worked with harrison you you like some of that dna made its way into him you know yeah i think it's well would it's definitely it's a cocktail bar contemporary cocktail bar we have one beer, Lone Star. Oh yeah, that's the that's the new everybody wants. That's right, not new, but yeah, right. Yeah. So and, and we got the vermouth, and I think we're, I think we're doing a deal with this wine company. I'm not entirely certain on on that just now, but it's uh, you know it's very much a you know a high end cocktail bar. It's not super expensive. It's like four, thirteen bucks a, a drink, which is. I don't understand how New York can charge thirteen, fourteen dollars a cocktail. And and I'm not saying that as like, you know, what a lot of tourists are like, ah, it's $14 a fucking drink. That's ridiculous. I'm saying on the other side, like, I don't know how y'all can pay your rent only charging $13 for a drink because, you know, that comes in a really close to what we have to charge for a cocktail. You know, we're at like 12, 12 to 13, but your rent is like seven times what we pay here. And so I, I just, I've never been able to wrap my head around that other than the, I guess you just doing it for the love of it and a, and a, and tips <laughs> you well, know. not above the money. Uh, and I can and you know, it's, I think also trying to just give some value to people too, because most places are at least 18 for a drink. Right. Right. And right. up, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I've, I've paid up to like 28, uh, mm -hmm. same, same. Well, you know, I was uh, just in, um, in Kauai and I was at, uh, uh Mama Hoonies and they were like, $10 a drink. And I was like, how, how? And like everywhere else on the Island, they're so expensive and they're like really bad resort Mai Tais and stuff. And they're yeah. like killing it. I'm still only charging like 10 bucks. So I'm still jealous of, uh, of the clever naming of the Navy pog. Uh, I was like, ah, that's such a fucking clever name. But of course no one outside of Hawaii would ever get it. And plus you can't buy pog anywhere you know so but yeah i was just that's actually what i ended up drinking like pretty much the whole week but yeah sorry side note but again you know very inexpensive cocktails um considering the expensive real estate surrounding it and, and definitely uh in your guys's area so that's that's super that makes it very low kind of entry point for people to come by check it out and yeah you know. i think just you know uh, as a as an enticement i mean they, they may have to go up we'll see what happens um you know, the rent is, we've got a, uh, I forget how long, I think it's like a five-year lease. Yeah, yeah, sure. So you're locked in for a little while. Yeah. So, you know, but I think, and it's a small space, as I said, only, you know, 75 or whatever, 74 is the 
capacity, but, you know, if we can turn it over, we'll, we'll be open from uh, either five or six. I think six is what we're going to open at. And then uh, we uh, close at two. New York doesn't give out uh, those 4 a.m. licenses anymore. They're trying to right, right. just stop that. Just like New Orleans doesn't do 24 hours. I mean, I, you know, I love going to those places, but um, yeah, I have no desire to run a place that's open till 4 a.m. You know, I know how I act at 4 a.m., so I, I I don't need to deal with people like me. Yeah, right. Well, and I've, I've been that guy in New York, uh, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, New York is uh, not that far from me. It's further for you from uh, Indianapolis, and that's uh, you know four-hour drive from for me so sure yeah so are you gonna be spending a lot more time in the city there now uh than you have been i mean obviously you know you're pretty well planted in boston at the moment but yeah you know, are you gonna be gonna splitting move, time we're not gonna move all this stuff and i've got it right that's kind of what i was getting at yeah. the entire collection that i'm seeing on the screen here all your stuff would take forever the thing is to, to find something to a place to live in new york that that we could have all this stuff you know we've been my wife's a big collector of stuff too so we you know, and we've been doing this. For Need a five thousand square foot apartment? <laughs> yeah, no, no, there's no no way. And uh, you know, you'd have to move to Long Island or New Jersey, and I, I don't want to. Yeah, it kind of defeats the it purpose. It takes me as long to get to drive in from New Jersey as it does to. I just take the bus from here, the Chinatown bus, and it goes from Chinatown to Chinatown, and uh, so it's pretty cool, and it's. Basically, it's a ten-minute walk to the bar from from where it drops me off, uh, right over the uh, uh, Brooklyn Bridge. So that's we uh, can't beat that. No, so it's pretty easy. And uh, you know, actually, this week I'm going to take the Amtrak down on Tuesday because it was it's it's ex insanely expensive on weekends, but the early weekdays it's it's not not that much more than the, the bus really. So. Uh, so are you going to be pulling shifts or just kind of guesting a little bit? Cause you said that you're more or less kind of the, uh, the ambassador for the bar and going out and doing things. And I mean, and you know, you're 67, hopefully you don't have to pull shifts on on the regular anymore. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I want to pull shifts cause people want to come in and they had a drink made by me. Uh, although everything's bad. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's even better, right? Yeah, Just shake it. Yeah. Good show. Almost everything. I think there's the lullaby isn't, uh, but uh, and the Lone Star isn't. But uh, also, <laughs> right. you know, I'm going to do a lot of DJing. Well, technically, yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll do a lot of DJing there, and I guess that's where because I want to make more of a loungier kind of atmosphere in it, fit little cocktail bar. So there will be some some of the type of exotica and stuff like that, and then a lot of more. Kind of mellow stuff, uh, you know. This there's uh, that's my speed, man. You know those those style of of lounges that you know have largely died out, <clears throat> and it's and it's such a shame. You know they're they're always so comfortable, and it's the places that I kind of always look for. But it's just it's hard to put your finger on what makes a really great lounge and the atmosphere in the place. You know, yeah. What you didn't see in that photo because the photo um, that we took is just the bar, which is when you go in though. There's a it it looks very um, like 1960s Italian or 70s Italian. Uh, it could be in the uh, uh, Danger Diabolic or some Mario Bava film or something, like very space age design. And there's couches, the tables look like big marshmallows. So it's very much uh, 
out of, uh, you know, I, during the, during the, the three month lockdown, I watched like 150 Italian giallos, uh, <laughs> uh, catching. We'll, we'll now have this kind of like permanent, uh, snapshot of what you were into that summer <laughs> yeah, right, right. leading up to the open right <laughs> I, I had a complete mario uh i mean uh ennio marconi uh sound yeah oh right you had the soundtrack in your head i had uh, it's funny that you say that while i was in hawaii i um i actually kicked on like literally the catalog of all of uh marconi's recordings from the 60s so like all of the, all of the clint eastwood films and all the westerns and yeah, because out in Kauai, I mean, it gets it's pretty sparse out there, you know, when you're out in the wilderness and driving in like Waimea Canyon. So, yeah, I was just feeling it. My wife had fallen asleep. I'm like, ah, I'm going to kick on some Westerns and such. And she woke up and she's like, what are we doing? <laughs> well, it looks, it, you know, I saw your your pics on Instagram and it definitely looked like uh, the um, the American Old West or the or the um, South, Southeastern Spain. Uh, <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, it felt like it. Yeah, it was just it really great time. It's hard to come back to the winter after all that, you know, and you know, as well as anybody, right? Yeah. I can well imagine. I not talking about winter. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, what's next? Uh, I mean, obviously you've got to get this place open. Um, you said you are going to be doing kind of occasional shifts, but you're going to be DJing as, as well for the opening party. And so actually this episode should come out the day before. So if you want to, you want to get down there, uh yeah yeah like and I'll be I'll be tomorrow uh, night <laughs> spending Thursday and and Friday originally we weren't going to have turntables because it's really small and they just got CDJs digitizing all sorts of stuff because I actually have never done that uh but uh, but then they said oh we got turntables too now so I got I got a thumb drive with whatever two thousand songs and then I I'm bringing just seven inch singles probably a couple hundred in a, in my case and uh, see how that. All sorts of stuff, loungy stuff. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So, is that going to be kind of um, the the vibe in there when you aren't there? You're going to be kind of playing the similar. Because I, I mean, the reason I asked is you you said you know that um, you know originally there weren't going to be turntables and you know doing these kind of mixes and uh, you've got some really great mixes on Mixcloud and so I and we've actually played a couple of them here at the Inferno Room. Uh, you know, just because they're it's great. You're right. You can set it, forget it. When you make these playlists, it just it takes so long. And I mean, that's where DJs come in, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and it's just you know, if you want to put on something for a dinner shift, you know, we can do that. You know, just kind of pull up Mixcloud or something. But other than that, um, it just it, people don't realize how long it takes to curate those kinds of lists in a restaurant or bar, and by, by mood too. You know. The whole industry of people that will do that you pay them to do it for you when they come in, you know. I know, and that's an attractive, you know, thought, you know, because like last weekend we decided on Saturdays because we open it early on in the afternoon on Saturdays, so we were going to do soundtrack Saturdays. Um, and Chris, my uh, partner at the Inferno Room, decided to just like dump a bunch of like soundtracks onto a playlist and um, and go from there. But of course, you very quickly realize there's bits of dialogue. You know, there's stings, there's all these things that don't necessarily make sense when you're playing a random list that doesn't, you know, and for some reason, our randomizer really loves Spinal Tap. And uh, so we are like six Spinal Tap songs in a row. So yeah, the soundtrack Saturdays ended ended as quickly as it began. Ah, that's too bad. But you know, those Mixcloud mixes you've got are, are super, right? And that's, that's where we started that. It's like, the, you know, because 
it, it takes the work out of it. So, I mean, are they going to be playing custom cleave mixes when you're not around? They or probably will. Kind of and then there's, you know, they, there's other DJs that are going to be uh, working in there. And I, I know they have some friends. I think they tend to be more into like modern hip hop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there'll be a lot of that. And then um, I have a very old and dear friend. Well, he's not, I say old because I've known him for 23 years. Uh, uh, old friend. Ursula <laughs> 1000, uh, who's been DJing around the world since I back, back then. And, um, and he lives across the river in Brooklyn. So uh, we're going to have him come in and do some do some stuff. We DJed together at Tiki Oasis last summer. So uh, Yeah, I missed Oasis last year. Um, <clears throat> just obviously... Things were weird still. We were still trying to kind of stabilize my, uh, well, well, Chris went out there. I think that you guys uh, linked up for a sec, but yeah, I wasn't able to make it. We're going to be out there this year. We just um, actually, we were just talking about it yesterday and and went ahead and, and we're advertising our anniversary event that you and I uh, chatted a little bit about last year. Um, we're no room. So thanks for the help on that, by the way. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, we just had people dropping out and at the last second and it was, we had a food vendor. Literally, we hired a food vendor, I think, about 11 hours before the event because someone dropped out the day before. Like, oh, that's cool. There won't be, like, a ton of people here or anything. So, but, yeah, I mean, the Madeira just, like, totally rocked the block. I mean, they're so loud. <laughs> Glad that our neighbors are cool. But uh, yeah, we'll have to get you in for that, man. It would be super cool to have you come in and do a set or or just come in and drink <laughs> you know but well, I, I know how to do both at the same time yes you can do that right so are you still um are you still active at uh, playing are you but i mean actual playing rather than djing uh not very often because there hasn't i i play with one old friend of mine uh old uh, a punk rocker i've known since the 70s they had a band unnatural acts uh they saved hitler's brain was their big uh seven inch single he actually paid his daughter's way through college so selling copies of, of that because it was going for a thousand bucks of a record uh, for a while. And he had a, he had a whole box of them. <laughs> sure, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, did, that he didn't sell in 1977. So, uh, but uh, we, we've been doing some stuff, but um, it's been, you know, there was really nothing going on for the last couple of years. And then it's been kind of sporadic and just, not much. So I haven't really played out. I think I played with him in um, the fall, but I hadn't played much either before that because also when they had gigs, you know, for the last couple of years, they didn't really, but even before that, I was just working all the, all yeah. the time. I mean, that's the biggest issue I think with musicians that own bars, right? I mean, or as not even owning, just working at bars. It's just it's difficult. Yeah. And we always joke that, you know, it's like, It'd be be great to somebody just open a Monday night live menu, live music venue, so that we can actually all come to something. You know, it's like it's always on Friday. I'm like, look at these shows I want to go to. It's like, oh, fucking Friday night. I guess I won't be going to that either. <laughs> you know. Well, now I was just thinking about it because I was I've been reading. <clears throat> actually, reading is not the exact uh, word. I guess listening to on Audible uh, John Lurie's new book, History of Bones, and. Uh, been a big fan of John Lurie for a long time, and I guess I didn't realize that um, he had kind of grown up, uh, you know, in your in your city, you know, in Boston, before he moved to New York. And I I just had no idea. Like I said, I've been listening to his music since, geez, the Lounge Lizards. They uh, played in Boston before the album came out. Uh, 
at this like uh, was a, a, a independent video studio right in, in Boston, and so that's they set them up on the the stage. We'll say we're, you know, um, and it was it was it was awesome. I, I bought that record the day it came out. I still have it. Yeah, All great musicians, and definitely I mean, his biography's got some wild stories, you know, living in... Uh, yeah, well, I've seen his TV show, but not every episode of it. I think my wife has. She's a huge fan, but I've seen a, a lot uh, of them. Painting with yeah, John? Exactly. Yeah, that's, there's season two just dropped of Painting with John. He's told some some of those stories. He's just got one of those soothing voices. And, yeah. You know, he does a lot of, like, uh, voiceover work as well, because after... Um, after he contracted Lyme disease, he kind of stopped playing so much. Um, he's done a couple of shows uh, in New York, I think, in the last twenty years. But I mean, you know, if you're not in the right place at the right time, you're not gonna you're not gonna be seeing that, you know. So I think he did a show with Mark Rabot, like maybe five years ago. Something yeah, like that. I think I, I think I do remember seeing something about that. Well, like I said, it's hard to it's hard to get out and hard to play. Yeah, you know, especially with the pandemic, venues have been hurt probably even worse than bars and 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 restaurants have. So. It's great to see that you're like able to kind of st still keep out uh, DJing. So uh, now that you've got your own place, is that going to pretty much um, be your free time? Are you still going to be able to like do some of these extracurricular activities? I mean, obviously, Tiki by the Sea has kind of been one of your babies. So I assume you're still going to be doing that. I will be at Tiki by the Sea. And um, uh, I just got asked to spin at Tales of the Cocktail, the uh, Indie Spirits party which i've done for years and I'm, I'm not too sure i gotta see I, I'm, I'm at the point right now because i've been unemployed for a, a few months now that uh and the price of flights and hotels and everything is skyrocketing yes so it much. has say, oh i'm gonna do this and how much am i gonna get paid and how much is it gonna cost me to you know is it gonna be a wash or not are you gonna end up losing it yeah that's tough it's tough yeah and cheeky oasis um i wanted to do the one in arizona but they they've just kept it local again here's they they have so uh uh because i really wanted to do i did the esquivel seminar last year at uh, tiki oasis and the one on uh, the history of the song misaloo um dick dale grew up about uh, a mile away from me i took pictures of his house and stuff like that but um that uh i wanted to do those in phoenix scottsdale but uh they're not they're not really doing anything. So I gotta and I gotta look at what's going on with um, the San Diego one. I am I'm I'm doing one in Minneapolis uh, in the end of uh, end of July. So um, that should be fun. I love Minneapolis. Actually, great, great. It is city. a lot of fun. Well, if you make it out to Scottsdale, I mean, we're definitely going to be there. We haven't uh, looked on the San Diego quite yet. It's a little bit farther down on our calendar, so we're just kind of taking it month by month, but. Um, definitely plan. Well, we've already got tickets to, to, you know, Tikio and, um, Scottsdale and I believe we're doing Hukilau in, uh, Lauderdale this year too. When's that happening? I hadn't even heard about that. I don't think that there's a, a weekend announced, but there's, um, Chris has been talking with them and, uh, cause we're, we've been discussing doing our, um, the art of the Inferno room talk that we just did at, down in O'Haley in Atlanta. So slowly trying to transition to a more broad uh middle sepic you know tribal artwork uh, seminar rather than just focused on what we are doing so it's something but again you know lots of dreams hopes <laughs> big plans for the future but uh you know it's it's just a grind daily to get to get in between there and you're just getting started again so where can people find 
lullaby online have you got everything like launched up yet or is it gonna are you waiting until um no no it it is it's um on instagram it's uh i think it's lullaby nyc Mm -hmm. i think so they had that up running first and it was was kind of slow we didn't put a lot of stuff on at first because we were just like not too sure when when everything was going to open we put a few drink sure uh, really nice. There's a, I'm looking now. You've got a couple of nice little uh, photos of the bar. Um, the one that I was discussing, the kind of the, from the angle of the of the bar top there at uh, uh, probably uh, seat five. If I had to take a guess, uh, there were a couple of stories on. Um, I think they must be gone by now because they put them up Friday night from the the parties. And I, what I didn't I forgot to mention this um, when we were talking about good job ambassador yeah right as we were talking about uh paris and i talking about tires and you know how many people we're going to need and you know how often i was going to work how often he was he didn't want to work every, you know 10 days a week or something like that <laughs> right so i said oh i got i i got an idea well, let me just let me just check something out so i uh reached into my rolodex and uh or my phonodex and i texted brian miller oh yeah who has been a good friend of mine for about 15 16 years or so and i said hey what's going on i haven't seen you in a while because of uh, everything and the polynesian of course had gone under and i yeah that's a bummer yeah i hadn't really been in new york but i said so what are you up to he said well right now i'm on the on the beach in tahiti i said oh that sounds great (laughs) okay i said well I got partners and we're, we're opening a bar on the Lower East Side. I was wondering, uh, you know, if you'd like to come work with me because I would love to work with you again. And uh, there was <laughs> a minute or two of uh, just like, I'll call you when I get back to New York. And uh, he did. And he said, yeah, let's let's do it. So, Oh, wow. So Brian Miller's going to be there at, uh, at Lullaby. Bar, like six nights a week now or something like that's that. That's fucking cool, man. Yeah, that's a. How the hell did you forget that part of it? <laughs> oh, we get to talking. Right, right, right. Yeah, the way we usually go. Right. It's cool because you know you've got. I guess if you want to look at a lineage, you know I'm like first generation with with Dale and Paul Warrington and um, Murray and uh, Marcos Dionysus. Um, you know the the first guys to start bringing back all these old drinks, and uh, then you know Miller is. Um, Pegu Club, Death and Carnival, uh, El Atario, which was the first kind of tropical bar in New York, 2006. That was him and uh, Lynette Morero ran that over on the west side. Uh, I used to go there all the time. Uh, so, you know, he's part of that original New York scene. And he, you know, he's from Seattle. So he had done, he had been bartending in Seattle too. But, you know, he's 20, well, more than that, but 20, five or six years younger than me. So it's kind of like he's like halfway or not halfway between, but you know, between me and, and those guys and the rest of the staff, but you know, he's been, he's been doing this, you know, pretty hardcore full time for since 2000 or so I started in 88, but you know, I was always on the road and I'd be tending bar when I, you know, doing pulling shifts when I was not on the road or whatever. Super cool. I mean, you and him both involved in that spot. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to go have some uh, tropically influenced craft cocktails. Yeah. So, and you know, 
people are saying, well, you're going to do Tiki Mondays or, or whatever. And yeah, he's been doing it at uh, Pouring Ribbons for the last few years, but they're, they're done at the end of the month. They're going out of it. So, um, so I don't know. Yeah. They announced that long ago. Yeah. So there's a, you know, who knows? We may, we may start doing that or, you know, on a Monday or a Tuesday or something like that. It'd be fun. I think, uh, it would certainly be, they still do a good business with, with that. It, uh, I started doing Tiki Mondays with them uh, 10, 11 years ago. So, uh, Super cool. I, that, man, what a hell of a team you guys have got got together there. And I can't wait to uh, pop in and, and meet Harrison as well. Sounds like a, a just kind of a, a soulmate, you know, that you found in your uh, older age. I, I always like dance around that. I don't want to call you an old man. I mean, because, you know, the older I get. The closer I get to like, you know, I mean, it's, it's funny, the older you get, the less you consider like certain like decades being old. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my God, 40 is so old. Then you're 40. And you're like, that's not old. 60 old. And then you turn 40 and you're like, OK, well, maybe 60 is not old. You know, <laughs> at least I'm not 80, you know. And so, yes, yeah, it's, it's a moving goalpost, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, some people are older than they uh, act older than they are. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's what it is for me is that, um, you know, when I, when I bump into people, a lot of times I bump into people uh, that are my age and then they just kind of look at and, and behave like that. And then I realize that they're my age or maybe even younger. I'm like, Oh my gosh, is that what I look like? Is that how I act? You know, like, you know, I, I of course, with music, it's easy to be like, oh, I saw fucking, you know, I saw Slayer back in 1988, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, yeah, I just, I guess when I look in the mirror, I don't feel, uh, you know, and to be 46 or, or, you know, or 67, 68, whatever you said you are, yeah. You're 67, right? Yeah. Is that right? No, I, okay, I, yeah. I don't. And, you know, I think the fact that there's a couple of things, uh, well, I never had any children. Uh, right. Same, same. So that's like, didn't have to go through all that part of life that people go through with kids and college and high school and kids rebelling against them and stuff like that. But also, yeah, that ages you a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've traveled the world as a musician, so that's good. But it's also, I, I have very few friends that are my age or yeah. older. Right. Like three. No, I think that's Here the key. Four, you know. I, uh, I used to work 40. with a guy that was um had grown up on indiana avenue uh in indianapolis you know with like uh wes and monk montgomery were like good friends of his and so he was a jazz musician that just played all night long and sleep an hour and a half and go to his real job in the morning but um yeah he, when i was friends with him he was uh pretty close to 70 and um but i mean he told me what long you know when i was quite young he told me he said yeah the reason i don't feel or act like i'm 70 is because i'm around 25 year olds all day long and i have been the whole i mean it was the job he'd had for 50 years and so you know just gotten accustomed to that and so um yeah so i i think that's a key to to maintaining youthfulness and i think that's one of the reasons why when you meet you know those of us that are no longer in our 20s in the in the restaurant and bar industry yeah we don't we don't tend to act like act like that you know our nights off start you know, 11 p.m. or midnight, and you know, yeah, when, right, exactly. When right. like the regular working stiff crew, you know, like nine o'clock, they're hitting bed. <laughs> so we're like, "What? I'm still at work." <laughs> I just got there. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, I used to dri- drive home from from gigs, and and there'd be rush hour going the other way into into the city or whatever, or, or just like everybody was going to work, and I was just just coming home. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I love that a lot. So, um, where can people? Do you have any uh, uh, places where people can find your music, your mixes, anything like that? I do um, yeah, uh, and- I have a Mixcloud page, brother. You know, B R O T H E R C L E V E. That I haven't really done much with it in the last year or so, which you would think I had. Pla- actually, I had no time at all up until December, and then I was. Um, unfortunately, all my my turntables and everything are down in the basement, and it's it's really fucking cold down here. So, uh, I just go down there for like three hours and put a mix together and just stuff. So, the, if anybody's interested in hearing your uh, your mixes, you got to go see it live. At uh, Lullaby NYC, I'm presuming that's lullabynyc.com. I I think it is. Yeah, I think I think that it, that is correct. Well, very cool, man. I appreciate you popping onto the show and giving me ins and outs. I mean, I I know it's been tough to like organize this because I've either been out of town or you've been out of town or you're too busy because you know getting ready. This is the this is the crunch time. But I I knew that if yeah. I didn't get you on this week, it was gonna, probably going to be another year and a half. Because uh, yeah, open. I know how openings go, for yeah, sure. It's, it's been crazy. I get uh, one of my oldest friends, who was one of my roadies with the the Del Fuegos, has been a, a road manager for many many years. And he he texted me on Saturday night. He's he's the wet legs road manager right now, and we we love wet leg. And he said, "Well, we're playing in Boston on Monday night. You, I got tickets if you want to. You know, I can set you up if you want to go to the show." And I was like, I. Yeah, I want to go, but I don't think I have any time. I got to get up at six on Tuesday morning and get this, get to New York. But I'm also, I know what's going to happen. I'm still going to be working at 11 o'clock Monday night and everything. Well, there's always that, right? It's hard to make plans when you, when we work in, uh, you know, kind of an indeterminate schedule. <laughs> so right. I, I have to have everything done before I leave the house. If I don't have everything done before I leave the house, I'm taking what I got done. But, uh, Right. Yeah. Well, pretty exciting times, man. Again, congratulations on Lullaby. Yeah, thanks. Come check it out. Come meet your partners. Uh, Everybody that's listening to this, you definitely should go check it out if you're in New York or just come passing through. Easy to find. I'll have all uh, address and and web address and all that on show notes. And by the time this comes out, you'll be finishing your friends and family uh, this evening. And tomorrow will be uh, opening day. So and you are going to be there are you gonna be there through the weekend? I'll be I'll be spinning on Thursday, Friday, and actually Thursday. Um, I'm gonna be the opening DJ, and then there's they got a couple of friends of theirs that uh, are gonna spin for like an hour or so after me. But I'll be there all night on Friday and Saturday. Very cool. And then I'll go I'll, I'll go back uh, come back here, and then I'll, I think I'm gonna go back down on the following Thursday and do the weekend again. Incredible. Well, I will. Uh, I will see you soon. I'm gonna swing by. Uh, hopefully, we'll be there this summer. And uh, anybody that's gonna be passing through, definitely check it out. Again, Cleve, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Hopefully, we'll get you on here again soon. Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me. Mahalo. Mahalo. Mahalo.